Hey, what's up? My name is Steven, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. So here's what we're going to talk about this month. We're going to talk about the Word, okay? Um, I know, like, when you look at Scripture, when you look at the Bible, um, it can be a little intimidating if you're not used to reading the Bible. And even if um, you, you are familiar with the Bible, we still don't always have a good habit of reading the Bible, Right? Um, from the you know, youngest Christian to the most mature Christian at times, we kind of slip a little bit on, on reading our Bible. And so I'm going to take the month of February, and we're going to talk about reading and studying God's Word. We're going to get practical in some areas. We're going to go deep in some areas. But I want to give you guys some tools um, and some ingredients to help you go deeper in God's Word because I want 2023 to be your best year but 2023 is going to be your best year only if it's your best year spiritually. And I believe it's going to be your best year spiritually if we can learn to really dig into God's word. And we're, we're choosing February because last year in February, I did a series called XOXO where we talked about marriage, dating, and relationship. And that last series, we talked about couples, that last sermon in the series, we talked about couples spending quality time together with a little talky-talky and just having conversation and a little walky-walky going out on dates and then a little winky-winky, if you know what I mean. And you guys really paid attention to that message because our church nursery is exploding. (laughs) And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to the series. If you know, you know. And so February must be a fertile month. And so we're going to believe that that February is going to be a fertile month for your spiritual life, not just your love life, and that I want to see the Word of God really begin to take root in your lives um, and begin to change our relationship with God in a better way. And I I, I made this quote last week um, from John Piper, and I've just really chewed on it all week in preparation for this. And he says, we've nibbled at the table of culture for so long that we have no appetite to feast at the table of the kingdom. We've nibbled on things in culture, whether it's media, whether it's activities, whether it's you know, sports, whether it's relationships, work, all these other things we use to satisfy the spiritual hunger that's on the inside of us, that when it comes time to sit at the table of the kingdom, whether it's in in reading God's word or whether it's in prayer or even in community, we're so full from everything else, whether it's in our schedule, whether it's in our spiritual appetite, that, that we are just not feasting. We're supposed to feast at the table of the kingdom. And we're having a hard time doing that. And so we're going to talk about um, God's word and why. Start with why. Simon Sinek says, you know, you don't start with how or what. You start with why. Why is being in God's word important? Jesus says this. We see this in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. 
Jesus is beginning his ministry. He's just been baptized. And as he goes into the water, the Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. And immediately after the baptism, he goes out into the wilderness and he fasts for 40 days. And we just finished up 21 days of prayer and fasting. It says, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil there. And that always kind of, you know, I have some questions there. Why was he led by the Spirit into the wilderness when the Spirit knew he would be tempted by the devil? And it says, for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and he became very hungry. I think we need to put ourselves in positions where we become hungry because we're nibbling at the things of culture that we need to put ourselves in places and positions and times where we become hungry. And it says, during that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him what? No. No, the scripture says people do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of who? The mouth of God. That people don't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And, and Jesus is actually quoting passages from the Old Testament in Deuteronomy when the children of Israel were wandering around the wilderness for 40 years, trying to get into the promised land. And, and they were complaining about not having any, anything to eat. And, G, and, and God you know, sent manna from heaven. And every day they were provided for and sustained and nourished physically by the manna that was on the ground just enough for that day. But then they were also led daily by God's word. And Jesus is quoting this scripture in defense and attack when he is tempted by Satan. And so if Jesus is quoting scripture that's buried in him, when he comes under attack by Satan, guess what you and I as Christians today, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us, amen, right? And so when we look at this, that we're, we're not just to live on bread alone or, or to be like um, nourished by things of culture, but we are to feast on the word of God. Um, as a pastor, one of the things that I have to be prepared to hear about me, I've heard it said about other pastors, um, because even when I was in Jackson and, you know, not you guys, but but people get bored with the church that they go to at times. Um, they really like the music. Maybe they love the, the, the people. They have a great kids program. But I've met individuals that have left churches and they've made this statement. They said, I'm just not getting fed. So I probably should have brought Band-Aids a little bit for the first part of the service. Might have to cut a little bit, but... But I know you've never said that. Maybe you have. I know like I've been guilty of it before, right? Because we have this selfishness that thinks that the pastor is supposed to be the one feeding us all the time. Now, I will absolutely say that we have a responsibility to prepare messages that are going to equip, encourage, and nourish you, right? Um, but if we're honest, I only get you guys 40 minutes a week. I try to keep my messages under 40. Sometimes they're a little longer, right? And for some of you guys, I only get you 40 times a month, not you guys, because you're here. You've got your 40 in, right? Um, some maybe only 80. And there are a lot of Christians in culture today that are trying to live throughout the week and without, throughout the month on 40 or 80 minutes, 
and they're not getting fed and they're blaming it on the pastor. Now listen, I love teaching the Bible. I love when I'm teaching and I give revelation, I look out and, and there's an aha moment. I even love it when I tell the corny jokes and everyone's like, oh man, right? But I love opening God's word and, and the weight and the work that it takes to be able to provide a balanced diet for a congregation of, of Old Testament and New Testament and theology and practical living, having some shallow ends for people who may be new to the faith, but also having some deep ends that those who have been walking with Christ for a while can get in and like dive to the bottom and just enjoy it. If it's all deep, all of our new Christians are gonna drown, right? If it's all shallow, those that have been walking with the Lord, they're gonna get bored. So we have a responsibility, but guess who else has a responsibility? You guys. And what's funny is is when, when we look at um, when it comes to reading God's word or, or going to church, um, maybe we say, I'm just not getting fed. I feel like the pastor's saying the same thing over and over, um, but we'll go to Chick-fil-A multiple times a week or multiple times a month and order a spicy deluxe um, with pepper jack f- cheese and fries and a Diet Coke, but we have a hard time listening to the same sermons and topics over and over again. Not you guys, hello, right? Not you guys. But what I want to do is is I want to give us over the next couple of weeks um, some tools that you guys can go back home. One of the greatest things that I heard when I was going through training for church planning is is that you, you, you look at people in the natural and look at a family unit and the only ones that go around the house crying because they're not getting fed are children and toddlers. Grown folks, guess what we do? we go make a sandwich, right? All right, we go to the cabinet. So I wanna help stock your cabinet over the next few weeks so that you can go and you can make yourself a scripture sandwich, if I can use that, right? So that we can grow not just 40 minutes a week, but we find opportunities to grow. Um, So I wanna ask you guys a question. Are you starving your faith? Are you starving your faith? I really, really wanted to show you a, a picture Um, Christian Bale, one of his first movies came out in about 2004. Um, It's not necessarily a wholesome family movie, but I remember it it, it had all this um, kind of conflict because of how much weight Christian Bale lost. And if you know Christian Bale from like Batman Begins and all these other, like he's a buff guy. But in this film, he got down to 110 pounds, super, like ridiculously. And he was living off a can of tuna, an apple, and a cup of black, cho- black coffee. That's what he, that was his, his diet for three months. And as I was preparing this message and just thinking about how malnourished, you know, some American Christians are, we're probably like under 110 pounds, right? And so I want to help beef up our spiritual health and our spiritual nourishment. Um, Here's, here, here's a crazy statistic I found about Americans. 85% of Americans say they own, they own a Bible. 85% of Americans say they own a Bible. Um, the average number of Bibles in a household is 4.2. It's a lot. Some have one or two. Some have way more. I have way more, like every translation you could imagine. But this is the crazy thing. Only 10% of Americans say they read the Bible daily. Now, here's the good news. 50% say they read it a few times a year, 
right? But 10%, that's, that's one out of every, now I'm believing like this is a super group, right? We represent way more than that. We've got the whole 10% like right here, right? They're all right here. But if, if we were to look at the statistics and say this was it, one out of every 10 people in this room read their Bible daily, that shouldn't be, folks. If we're to be people of the word, we should be in the word, right? And so I know it's difficult. Um, I know it can be difficult, um, but, but once a week, twice a month is not enough. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. If you only ate once a week, man, you'd be in trouble, right? Um, I'd be breaking in somewhere to try to get something to eat. So here's, here's my challenge. You guys are already here. You're, you're batting 100%. I'm encouraging you to be here every Sunday for this month. Like, I believe this is gonna be a series that's gonna help you for the rest of your year and the rest of your life. We're gonna get practical. We're gonna go deep. We're gonna go shallow. But I wanna help us open the word of God so that we can be spiritually strong, amen? And I know it's hard. Like, I know it's hard. And there's some reasons why we don't study, but we'll get to those. Acts chapter 17 um, says this. Acts chapter 17, Paul and Barnabas are going to this, this area called Berea. And it says they went to the Jewish synagogues and the people of Berea, this is verse 10, we'll start there. The people of Berea were more open-minded. It said some were, other translations said they were more noble, they were more open since they were more noble, more open-minded than those who were in Thessalonica because they just came from Thessalonica. Now they're stopping off in Berea. And it says, and they listened eagerly to Paul's messages. They were listening eagerly. So, so they were there. They were leaning in with their, with their pencils and their notebooks, and they were taking notes. They were leaning in, listening eagerly. But then it says, they searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. So not only were they listening to Paul, listen, Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament, but the Bereans are like, I'm going to make sure what this dude is telling me is the truth. So they're going back to the Old Testament scriptures of what Paul is preaching on in regards to Jesus, making sure that what Paul is teaching is the truth. And for those of us who are millennials and Gen Xers, you remember like reading Rainbow back in the day, right? LeVar Burton was like, just don't take my word for it. Read it for yourself. And now the reading rainbow theme is in my head. I got to try to preach through that, right? Reading rainbow. I don't want you to just to come on a Sunday morning and hear me preach, but I want you to go home, open up the scriptures as you've taken notes during the week and go back and see what I've said and read it for yourself. And it says that they wanted to make sure that what Paul was saying was the truth. Go make sure I'm, what I'm teaching is the truth. And if you ever find something I'm teaching is not the truth, you have complete permission to say, hey, pastor, I don't really understand this. Can you help me? I give you permission to do that. And don't blast it on social media first. Send me an email first, right? Send me an email. Let's have a conversation. But it says because they listened eagerly and because they read daily that their faith grew and more believers came. And so, so here's what I want us to know. Like our relationship with God is as healthy as our relationship with his word. Our relationship with God is as healthy as our relationship with his word. If our relationship with, our, with his word is not very good, guess what? Our relationship with him is not going to be very strong. Charles Spurgeon said this, that, that you can tell um, if a Bible is falling apart, a Bible that's falling apart belongs to someone whose life is not falling apart. 
Because within Scripture is everything, as we see in a minute, everything that we need for the good works and for this life of faith. And I'm not saying it's easy. It's a discipline. That's why it's called a discipline. We struggle with it. And there's some reasons that we say that we struggle with it. The first is we've probably all said this, is that Scripture, that it is boring. That it's boring. It was like, I don't understand. Like, it's just boring. Let me invite you to put some color on the pages and it's okay to read the scripture with your imagination. Just let it go crazy sometimes. Not too crazy. But, 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 but let the, the, the pictures and the stories have life. Realize that these people actually lived and when you're reading through the Old Testament, there's all kinds, like it's a soap opera. There's family drama, there's battles, there's heroes, there's murder, there's, there's all this different thing taking place in the Old Testament. And then the New Testament is this beautiful picture of, of what Christ has done for us. Within the Gospels, we see his life. Then within the rest of the New Testament, in the book of Acts, we see the church being birthed into the earth. And Paul's writing all these letters about all these churches that are acting a fool, trying to bring correction. It's boring only if you let it be boring. But if you open your mind with imagination, it comes to life in some incredible ways. Um, and a lot of times this is what we've all used is I, I, just don't, I just don't have the time. I just don't have the time to read them. Like, I don't, Stephen, you have no idea how much I have going on in my life. I've got kids, they've got sports, I've got work, I've got overtime. We've got, like, then you get home. Like, literally, as an adult, I realize that I have two jobs, and sometimes my second job in the afternoon as a parent and as a husband is way harder than my day job. Anybody else? Because you've expended all your energy throughout the day and now you gotta make dinner, you gotta wash dishes, you gotta do homework, you gotta do all that. And so it can be very, very easy to say that I don't have the time, that I don't have the time. Do you know how, how long it takes to read the Bible? Like if you were to read it from cover to cover, you could read it in a year with about 12 to 15 minutes a day. 12 to 15 minutes a day, 365 days a year, that is only about 73 to 91 hours in a year for us to read the Bible. Now, that's reading it at pulpit speed. So however I read it, some of you are speed readers. I'm not. However I read out loud, that's how I read in my head. But if you were to read it at pulpit speed, and that's just as I'm reading Scripture, 12 to 15 minutes a day, 73 to 90 hours a year. Wow. Do you know how many hours a year you probably work? 2,300 plus hours a year. You know how many hours a year you sleep? 3,000 plus. Some of us maybe a few more. Um, parents of newborn, you sleep maybe 100 hours a year. That's about it, right? <laughs> you know, you look at eating, we spend 550 hours a year eating. Some of you maybe more. Teachers, way less, Right? Um, we spend about 1,058 hours watching TV, and that includes all screens. Um, social media, you ready for it? On average, Americans spend 894 hours a year on social media. You think, no, I don't. Check your screen time. All of my screen time on social media comes in 15 or 20-minute chunks. I rarely sit there for hours on end scrolling. It's 15 minutes here, 10 minutes there. And over the course of a year, we spend 850-something hours, 894 hours on social media. Um, 
You could read the Bible 10 times in a year. Look at your neighbor and say, we got time. We got time, we got time. The other, other reason we give sometimes is I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Um, if you don't understand it, you need to get a Bible that you can understand, okay? Get one, I read from the New Living Translation. That's written on about an eighth grade level. The NIV is written on about a sixth grade level. The, um, which is the New International Version, and then there's the New Century Version. It's written on about a third grade level. And so we can all find a Bible that we can understand, right? And we'll talk more about this in the practical in the weeks to come. But, but as I was studying, kind of thinking, here's why we can understand Scripture. Um, Paul tells us, and Peter tells us, that this, this book, these pages, even though they were written by man, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. They were written by man but they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. When we come into relationship with Christ and we are walking in relationship with Christ, guess what enters into our life? The Holy Spirit. Right? The one that penned it, the one that wrote it, that inspired it, is in us to be able to translate it. Jesus even says this. He says in John 14, 29, he says, but when the Father sends the advocate talking about the Holy Spirit as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit. As my Father sends the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything that I've told you. So we have been given that very person walking with us that helped write it. Come on. And so we may have to read it two or three times. We have to may read it like three or four or five times. But as we read it enough, the promise is that the Holy Spirit that inspired it is in us and will reveal the truth that is meant for us. So we can understand it. Um, the other excuse that we sometimes use is it doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for me like it's an incantation or something, like abracadabra, we, like it's, it's supposed to work. I remember when Jennifer and I broke up in college and you know, I was a, a walking, living, breathing, lifetime movie. Um, I was like crying in the shower, not eating, like it was just so bad. And, and, and I remember trying to manipulate scripture so that it would work for me in my situation and I would find these obscure things and like where Jesus says, do not swear by the number of hairs on your head. Let your yeses be yes and your noes be no. Like I remember reading that. I remember thinking, oh, that's the problem. That's why we broke up. Because Jennifer and I would have this thing as we were like teenagers. If we didn't believe one of the, like, like each other, we would say promise. And we'd say, yes, I promise. And we still didn't believe. We'd say, promise, promise. And the other person would say, I promise, promise. Like you swear. So we would like take it up a notch. You swear, yes, I swear, Stephen. All right, swear on my life. <laughs> and so I was like, we were sinning. We've got to stop doing that. And then the Lord's going to put us back together. I was trying to get scripture to work for me. But when you read scripture and God's promises, it's not necessarily that they're supposed to work for me. This is what Isaiah says. Isaiah 55 says, it's the same with my word. And he's talking about the rain and the snow falling from the sky. And it says that it produces fruit within the ground. It's the same with my word. I send it out and it, what is that, what is that word? It what? 
Always, not sometimes, not on occasion, but it always produces fruit. And this is what struck a chord in me. It will always accomplish all. Now the Lord is speaking here, not you. All right. It will always accomplish all that I, the biggest I on the planet, the biggest I in all of heavens. Not you, not little old you and me, but God says my word will accomplish it what I want it to do and it will prosper everywhere I send it. So it's not that the word of God is supposed to work for us, but the word of God is supposed to work in us for him, not us. Come on, come on. I know like like we wanna quote scripture and we want it to move mountains. That's what scripture says, but it's not for us. It's for him. It says it will do everything that I want it to to do. So those are the reasons, like, like, which one is yours? You may have multiple ones, right? It's too hard. I don't have time. Those are the reasons why we struggle. But even more importantly, I want to give you the reasons why we should take Bible reading seriously, 15 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day, an hour a week. The first is this, is if you want to know what God's like, you get in his word because his word reveals who he is. It reveals his nature. It reveals his character. It reveals his will to us that everything is in there that we need to understand him. It says that the Bereans, going back to what we read, listened to Paul daily, but then also studied God's word daily. And they saw the promises in the Old Testament about Jesus giving his life and living his life. If we want to understand who God is, we have to understand God's relationship with the word and that it is like it is the very description of his nature and character. John 1.1 says that in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. And I love verse 14, and then it says, and then the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We've seen his glory and the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Guys, when we open up God's word, we get to see his faithfulness to people who are unfaithful. We get to see him keep his promises to people who don't keep his promises. We get to see him offer forgiveness for those who don't deserve forgiveness. We get to see him love and serve to those who are unloving and selfish. When we open his word, we get to see God's nature and character and understand his will. When we open God's word, it begins to form and reform. It forms and reforms our identity. It forms and reforms who we are. It forms and reforms how we see ourselves. Because whether you realize it or not, the media and the things that we take in, in culture, in relationships, it forms our identity. And some of us have broken identities that need to be reformed, and it can only be reformed through the word and through the spirit of God. We know this passage in Romans chapter 12 says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Where do we think? We think with our mind. 
In order to change the way that we think, we have to change what goes into our mind that affects the way that we think. We have to change what we listen to, what we read, what we watch, and all those things subconsciously, without knowing at times, unintentionally affect how we interact with this world, affect how we see ourselves. When I was a youth pastor back in the day, we played video games with teenagers all the time. Um, I was back in PS2 days. Anybody remember that? Come on. That's the OG. Um, NBA 2K Street was the best. Come on. And then there was this game, and it, it, it wasn't a wholesome game, but I entered the world of my teenagers so that I could interact with them, and there was a game called Grand Theft Auto. Um, to where, <laughs> right, to where you were playing a character that was like robbing people and stealing cars and breaking into buildings, and and I would play with them online and in groups, and, and I probably shouldn't, but I just wanted to be in their world, and I remember just just driving like crazy in the video games when I was living in Jackson, and no, like no kidding, I was in Jackson driving in my '97 Dodge Dakota down North Highland in Jackson, Tennessee, and I put myself in the video game, and I'm driving around and passing people as if I'd just stolen my truck. And because I'd been playing it, it had subconsciously worked, and that's what happens with media and things that we take in. It forms and reforms our identity without us even realizing it, and so when we get into God's word, it renews our mind. Don't judge me, all right? I see you looking at me. <laughs> if, it, it renews, forms, and reforms our mind. Third thing it does is it equips us and it encourages our Christian life. Paul tells Timothy as he's writing this letter to this young pastor in 2 Timothy three seventeen, he says, God uses it, talking about its word. God uses his word that it's inspired. It's used for equipping um, his people to do every good work. I love Ephesians 2.10. It says that, that all those, um, well, it says that, that we are God's masterpiece, that you and I, we are God's masterpiece and that we are created new in Christ to do good works. And that when we understand God's word and we take the instruction and the correction and, and, and all those things that it gives us the, the, the equipment, it gives us the knowledge, the wisdom, the skills, the understanding, the insight to live out this Christian life that we've been called to live. Paul calls it this good fight of faith. And in today's culture, sometimes it is a fight, right? And, and we need to be equipped and encouraged. And God's word does that for us. And this last one, Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians, and we'll get to the scripture, but um, God's word, it works within us. It works within us. And, and Paul says this, it works within us. He says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, he says, therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received his message from us, so Paul is saying, this message that I gave you, it wasn't my message, it was God's message, and you received it from us, because you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it is. And this word continues to work in you who believe. This word continues to work in you who believe. And when you think about like our diet naturally, when you think about the food that we eat, 
the nutrients or the lack thereof is always working in us. Um, whether you feel it or not. Those of you who got up this morning and you ate a breakfast of oatmeal and bananas and blueberries and almonds and cinnamon and honey, it's your favorite, right? It's my new favorite. I didn't like it, but I'm realizing I have to eat healthier, that if you work out, you do all these things. Um, if your diet doesn't match it, all that is just a waste of sweat and time and pain, right? But we don't always feel when we're eating a healthy diet, we don't feel it initially working in our life. Because it's human, it's like, it's, it's our human nature to want instant like results. It's our human nature to want instant gratification and we think we ought to, we ought to feel something. And we don't always feel. And if you look at the life of a child and they hate eating their broccoli, they hate eating their vegetables, they're picky. And we look at these, these children who are living in homes to where the nourishment isn't available. And as they grow, they grow malnourished with health issues. When we eat healthy food, it works in our bodies. It works in us, even though we don't realize it. The same is with God's word. It works within us, even when we don't realize it. Because let's be honest, like for those of us who, who, who understand the Christian term of, of quiet time, you know, thanks to social media, we think our quiet time should be epic every morning to where we can take a picture and hashtag it and set it up just right and have all these glamorous journal notes. And we think the Holy Spirit and God's word is only working when we have those, you know, Instagram moments. It's a car alarm. And we think if, if, if I'm not feeling it in the moment, God's word isn't working. But Paul says, no. God's word is still working in you because it is God's word. And so I want to encourage us, even if we don't feel it, it's still working. Um, I found this scripture in a, in a book called Knowing, or this quote in a book called Knowing Scripture by R.C. Sproul. Um, he says this, and this may sting a little bit. It, it did for me. It says, we fail to study God's word, not so much because it's difficult to understand, and not so much because it's dull and boring, uh, but because it is work. It's a discipline to study God's word, to read God's word, it's work. Our problem is not a lack of intelligence or a lack of passion, we want to. Are you ready? Hold your neighbor's hand. Um, our problem is that we are just lazy. In reality, when it comes down to it, church, not you, but right, the other person. I can find myself being lazy. I can have energy to do all kinds of other things from time to time. But we need to stop being lazy and we need to stop making excuses and we need to make 2023 our best year of reading God's word than what it's ever been. And here's why. This is what I want to see in us. John 6, 63 says, the spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit. That Greek word there is pneuma. And it's, it means breath. And he says, these words that I've given you, these words that I've, I've spoken to you, they're recorded here. They are 
breath. They are spirit. They are life in us. I want your spiritual life, your relationship with Jesus this year to come alive more than it ever has, church. I don't care where you're at. If you're just getting started or you've been walking with the Lord, I want you to to level up a, a, a notch. I want our spiritual life to take a step up. I want it to come alive. I want your relationship with your spouse to come alive. I want your relationship with your kids to come alive. I want your passion for your job and your calling to come alive. I want your passion for the kingdom to come alive. And that comes by nourishing ourselves through God's word. And then Jesus says this in John 18 or, or John 8. He says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, And these were those of the Jewish faith that were looking for the Messiah and realized that the Messiah was right in front of them. And he says to them, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Here's the other thing. I want us to come alive because I want us to be free. I want us to walk in freedom from anxiety. I want us to walk in freedom from fear. I want us to walk in freedom from insecurity. I want us to walk in in, in freedom from all these things and freedom from debt. I've been thinking about, I'll do a series in October called Trapped where we, we look at how to walk free from that. But you can get a head start now by looking at scripture. It says that, that, that everything that we need for life and prosperity is found so that we can come alive and so that we can be free, guys. Because I know a lot of Christians, they carry the title, but they don't have the life. They carry the title, but, but they're not alive and they're bound in bondage and are lacking that freedom. I don't want that for us. But your freedom and your life is not just gonna come from a good 40 minute sermon on a Sunday. Once or twice a month or even every month but it's gonna come from us making a commitment daily, few times a week at the least, getting into the word of God for ourselves. And so I wanna encourage you, you're one for one right now. Next week, be two for two, all right? It's not about getting in church to hear a sermon, but I wanna give you some tools over the next month to help us do this. And and one of the things that that we're starting um, now is I wanna give you some discussion and study notes on the sermon. So my wife made a bowl of chicken noodle soup last week and uh, we ate on that all week long and it gets better up to a certain point, (laughs) right? (laughs) Up to a certain point because it has time just to marinate and all the seasoning and stuff, lasagna and chili's the best way, right? It's good the first night, but it's even better the third and fourth night. By the fifth or sixth night, you wanna throw it out and start over, right? And so here's here's what you can do. when you text the word Avenue Connect to 97,000, and that link is always open, by the way. Um, if you're at home and you're thinking, I need to know, text the word Avenue Connect to 97,000, you'll receive a link and it goes to our flow page. And there's a link on there that says uh, Sermon Study and Discussion Guides. You can download the PDF. Talk it over in your small group, talk it over with your spouse, make the sermon carry. Or you can go to our website, go to where our podcast is, ouravenuechurch.com slash sermons. You can download it. And we're gonna do our best to start having these every single week for you guys. 
so that over coffee, over lunch, you can talk about what we talked about here and it carries and we're pushing the word down deeper. Amen. And don't make me do all this hard work for nothing. You better use it, right? Come on. Um, and so here's what I want to do as we pray. Um, I'm going to pray that the Lord would give us the passion, the desire, and the strength to look into his word to a greater degree. And for those of you who are here today and you don't have a relationship with him, um, it's my desire that you would meet him, um, not just in a church service, but in relationship face-to-face, spirit-to-spirit with him. And you may be thinking, Stephen, you don't know what I've done. How can God accept me? He's so holy, I'm not. The great thing about God is, is our unholiness and unrighteousness doesn't make him unholy or unrighteous, but his holiness and his righteousness makes us holy and righteous. And it says, because of that, we can come before him boldly without fault, without blame and stand before him. And it takes us saying, Jesus, I give you my life. I understand what you did. I understand who I am. And I'm trading my life for the life that you've given me, the life that you gave your life for. And so can we pray together just for a few moments? So Father, I just come to you and I just thank you for um, your word. God, I thank you that it um, just works even when we don't feel it, even when we don't see it. Your word is moving within us. Um, it is changing us from the inside out. And God, I pray that, that over the next four weeks, but not even be like even beyond that for 2023, let us be the most passionate and the most committed about your word than what we've been. Let us have the best year because it's the best year spiritually, because it's our strongest year in the word. God, let us read your word with new eyes, understanding your character, your, your nature, and your will, trusting that it's working even when we don't feel it. God, if there's anyone in here that does not have a relationship with you, God, I pray that, that even as we're praying, they're simply saying, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm sorry for what I've done. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And it seems like such a simple act, but it's the start of a conversation. It's the start of, of a life change. It's, it's the turning point for repentance that we no longer pursue um, the things that we want, but we pursue the things that you have for us in all areas. God, we just thank you for your goodness. And we thank you for your word and your spirit that changes lives from the inside out. And all God's people said, Amen.